Hey, folks, a content warning here. We are going to be talking about um, death and dying, specifically a death of parents and grief. So if that's something you have a hard time with, you know, feel free to skip it. Yeah, feel free to skip it. But I will say that you might not want to skip it because we are going to be talking about death, dying and grief in a really therapeutic and healing way. It's true. Not in a ripping out your guts way, in a putting them back together way. So if you want to get your guts put back together... Yes. So feel free to skip it, but you might be happier if you don't. It's up to you. Only you know you. Exactly. So thank you. Yes. You're welcome. Hey, folks, and welcome to Hey Adora, your queer Shira podcast. I'm Force Captain Meff. They, them. And I am Princess Jenny. She, and her. today we are discussing the episode that continues to rip out my heart. We're talking about the coronation. First episode of season four. First episode of season four. The season that continues to rip out my heart. <laughs> I, I, I do not find this to be a heart ripping out episode. I find this to be a very cathartic, therapeutic, and healing episode. Oh, speaking as someone with a dead mom. Yeah. So we're going to be talking a lot about you know, grief and death and dying and us and the processing and the processing thereof and also singing unicorns. So the coronation is the first episode of the fourth season. It was written by Laura Shrebney, storyboarded by Angela Kim, uh, Sharon Sun and Sam Szymanski and directed by D. Woman, Diane Ha and Kiki Manrique. Kiki Manrique is a great name. Kiki Manrique is a great name. (sighs) <sighs> Jenny, this is so sad. I find it to be extremely uplifting and cathartic. Yes. Um, but we're all entitled, obviously, to our emotional responses. No, we, I mean, yes, it is it's sad. sad. It's it's the it's the good kind of sad. Yeah, I mean, it does really move. Th- it really has a really good kind of movement through emotion it's and catharsis. Yeah, it's the therapeutic kind of sad. Can I tell you a crazy fact? Yes. Can't call it a fun fact. Um, <laughs> Cannot call it a fun fact, but it's a fact. So obviously, um, each season drops all at once mm-hmm. um, of this show. But this is the first episode of the season. Mm-hmm. So this episode dropped five weeks after my mom died. Oh, wow. So I have a really special relationship Aww. with this episode. Um, but I did not find this episode to be a bummer at all. I found it very healing. I, I enjoyed That's... it. Like, in, in such a way as that word has any meaning yeah. in context. I, I found it helpful. And I was, you know, right on the same page with Glimmer. Mm-hmm. I knew right away what they were doing. I was like, I see you guys. I, I see the point you're making. Yep, and yep. even though several of the characters were acting a bit out of character in the sense that, like, I know you guys are not all this emotionally tone deaf. It was an important point that they were going out of their way to make. Yeah. About, like, this is not how you handle grief. This is how you handle yeah, grief. Yeah, and, you know, we're, we're I'm definitely going to get into that, too, because a lot of the times that is how the people that surround you handle your grief. Yeah, and I was very lucky that nobody tried to do that to me. Um, I have wonderful friends, mm-hmm. as you know, you're one of them. <gasps> um, and, you know, I, I have a wonderful community in Brooklyn. I have a great synagogue, right, yeah. you know, extreme hippies are usually good with emotions. Sure. And 
you know, I talked about my mom a lot. Yeah, yeah. In the days leading up to her death, she was in hospice for a week. So, you know, I was by her side every day for a week and she passed very peacefully. There was no pain. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then, you know, in the weeks following, I was just, you know, I got to write an obituary for her hometown newspaper, for her college alumni association, for my synagogue, for her synagogue. Mm -hmm. You know, I got to talk about her a lot. And so many people loved her, like all my old friends from high school, just... You know, I really got to honor her memory. She was a queen. She was a queen. Um, And it was so therapeutic for me. And that, you know, keeping her memory alive always makes me feel good. Even if, you know, I have tears in my eyes, it's with a smile, you know, and and I and it it does make me sad sometimes that she never got to see the podcast come into existence because she was always like my number one cheerleader. She thought everything I did was amazing and fantastic. And, you know, she she, obviously you can tell I'm an only child, (laughs) but, you know, she really thought whatever I did was great because I was the one doing it. She made me feel like whatever I did was going to be great, you know, and not in a way that like some sort of like false narrative of like, well, my child is perfect, but just like, no, you're you, you have great ideas. If you have an idea, you know, like you have to see it through, but it'll be great. And it doesn't have to be perfect. You just have to enjoy it and that will make it great. Mm. And, you know, like nobody else in the world could make me feel like that. And not to be overly maudlin, but I remember when I was around three years old and I was like starting to understand death. Mm -hmm. I think most little kids think about their own death. But I never did because I was like, well, I'll be dead. I won't care. You know, whatever. But I thought about someday my mom will die Mm -hmm. and then I will be truly alone because nobody else is ever going to love me like my mama loves me. Hmm. And, you know, to some extent, I, I hate to say it. I still think that's true. Nobody can love you like your mom loves you if you have a great mom. Which Glimmer does, and which I did. But if you're lucky, and if their mom does their job, that love will stay with you forever. And you'll have your friends there for you as well. Yes. Just like Glimmer does. Exactly. And if your friends will let you, you know, talk about her, then and they remember her as well, then that love stays kindled and stays fresh, you know, when they reflect it back. You know, in the relationships of the people who are still with you, yeah. it's a good way to remember that that love never leaves you really. Jenny, that is such a wonderful way to like personalize and also set up the episode. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Do you want to? St- You're very welcome. It's my pleasure. Do you want to start with Glimmer and her new clothes? Yes. Yes. Let's start with Glimmer and her new clothes. So. The establishing shot kind of pans through Bright Moon, and then we get into Glimmer's room, and her old outfit is folded up. And so the first shot we see in Glimmer's room is her old outfit right. is folded up on her, like, cushy princess window thingy. And we, yep, that little bay window. Yep, and that, <laughs> I love the bay window. Uh, Me too. Like, with the organic shapes, and it's great. It's, mm. um, and yeah, and everything's kind of messy, like typical Glimmer's yeah. room. Cabinet doors are open. But the cabinet. Just another day, right? Right, but we go into the cabinet doors and her boots are there. Her old boots are there. And then we show Glimmer mm-hmm. and she's got new clothes. She's got mm-hmm. new hair and she's wearing her mom's earring. Yes. So. And she also looks physically a little bit different in addition to the fact that like her hairstyle is different. She looks older. Yes. 
And part of it is because she looks a little thinner, Mm -hmm. like her neck looks longer. And I, and again, this is just from personal experience. I wonder if she might have experienced something like I did. She might have had some severe appetite loss after her mom's death. I was thinking that as well. That's kind of what I took away from this. And also like she, uh, yeah, like her, she doesn't have the baby face anymore either. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would not have believed this if it hadn't happened to me, but I experienced dramatic appetite loss for almost a year after my mom died. I could barely eat. Yeah. It's like a really big part of grief. So yeah, that can happen. I I completely agree with you. Absolutely. That's what I thought as well. And this is still very fresh. So I completely believe that that could have happened. Very fresh. This is probably happening within the first weeks. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, they can't be without a leader for long. So this is has to be within. I agree with you within the first weeks um, after the last episode. Um, I I do like her new hair. I do too. She's got two epaulets on her shoulders yep. now instead of just yep. one. I know the word epaulet. I'm glad. Because of all of the fashion issues we have had on this show. <laughs> um, that's the that's the, the decorative shoulder piece that is particular often to a military uniform, but not exclusively. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's got her little bright moon gem that used to be attached to her shirt. It's now just kind of hovering on her collarbone. Mm-hmm. And she now only has one glove instead of two, but it goes much higher up her arm. And as you said, she has her mom's earring. And it goes up. It's on the opposite arm of Catra's extended glove, Uh isn't it? It, Right? Interesting. I believe it is. That makes sense because there is in this episode a ton of mirroring between Catra and Glimmer. Yeah, and in fact, this season has a ton of mirroring through about Catra and Glimmer. Yeah. 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 So that would make sense if it was opposite arm. So we see Glimmer in her new outfit. She looks herself in the mirror. She brushes her hair and sighs. And she has this one moment to herself before Auntie Casta bursts in. Importantly, we need you in the war room right right away. Oh, Auntie Casta. She means well. She does mean well. So, of course, you know... You know, there's no time to waste. You must make a decision. And, you know, Adora's there here for you. We're here for you. And Glimmer says, what is it? What is this serious what decision? Is it? It's a cake. <laughs> it's a cake. It's a giant shiny cake with an ornamental <laughs> Glimmer <laughs> kicking Hordak's ass cake That popper. is my absolute favorite part is that because we've never actually seen Glimmer like fight Hordak. We've. No, but, like no. this glimmer with like glitter fist punching like a weakened Hordak is fucking hilarious. Yeah, it makes a great cake. It topper. really does make a great cake topper. And uh, Aunt Casta makes it all very official. She makes like a, basically a proclamation. Uh-huh. She's the queen has spoken at the coronation. There shall be ice cream cake. Because you know we love a we we love a good um, misdirect here on this show. Yes, yes. So, you know, everyone's laughing. It's a great little moment. Glimmer's not laughing, but she does manage to smile for like one beat. Mm -hmm. And then she looks kind of sad. Yep. And then we have a new intro. We have a new intro. Yes, we do. So we're not just going to credits, credits, credits through this because we have a new intro. So... The whole intro is not new. The whole new. intro isn't new. Our our heroes. The first half yeah, is the we same. We still have our princesses princessing about. We have Mermista. We have the we have the whole. Yes, the princess gang. parade is the yeah, same. But then we get to the horde, and the horde intro is completely different. 
So previously, the Horde side of the credits was we've got um, the powerhouse Polycool and Scorpia all in a row. And Scorpia is smiling and looking fierce. And Lonnie and Rahelio are kind of looking tough, but somewhat indifferent. And Kyle kind of always looks scared. And then we pan up to Catra, who, you know, she's got her hot smirk claws out. And she's um, framed between Shadow Weaver and Hordak. Right. right. And then um, at the end, Roundup in Trapta is still with the Rebellion. So in the new version, we pan up to a very... Scorpia is central. She's a, the largest yes. central image here. And she's very, very sad looking. And off to her right, we have the powerhouse Polycule looking in three separate directions. So we have Kyle looking, holding his helmet and looking scared like at Scorpia. Kind of like in the direction of Scorpia. Lonnie is looking yeah. over her shoulder in like a quarter shot at, at Scorpia. And Rogelio is in full profile looking to the right. And they all look kind of they lost. They all look kind of lost. So after we pan up from Scorpia, so we have Scorpia. And on the right of Scorpia, we have the polyhouse, poly, powerhouse polycule. On the left of Scorpia, we have uh, Double Trouble who's in half uh -huh. shadow with their yellow eyes glowing. And then uh -huh. then we kind of have this like little nook between the, you know, the figure that is on the far left and Double Trouble, and that is Entrapta with her brand new mask on. But we don't know that's Entrapta until we get later into the season. And so going up from there, the larger figure that we see is Hordak. And we see Hordak's elbow. So we're going to kind of jump right across to the right and then we're going to focus back to the middle. So on the the far right, we have this Hordak kind of looking dude. Who is it? It's Horde Prime, right? We all know that. With, with yes. green highlights and stars. Stars. What are stars? Well, we learn what stars are, too, uh, behind him. And now we have new Catra. So Catra is centered in in all of these. Catra is the yes. center. Catra's position is the yes. same so, as before. Exactly. Because she is like the central antagonist, right? So and she's in her yes. new costume, which we'll talk about later, um, looking really mean. <laughs> like, oh, well, I... I looked really hard at the old versus the new credits, and I'm 99% sure that her expression is the same in both. Okay, so she does the, so in this, in this, in her expression, what she does is she does the Kubrick stare, which little tiny mini Professor Smart Brain moment, the Kubrick stare is something that was kind of uh, found in like um, Stanley Kubrick movies, where the chin, the positioning of the head is the chin is down and the eyes are tilted up. So it looks really it looks like you're a mean crazy person it's very yeah. active um and then she lifts her head up snaps her head up and extends her claws just like she does yeah. so yeah it's yeah it's, it's fucking good. cool and then we get to the new splash hero splash scene where we have uh mara instead of uh queen angie in the middle upper left mm -hmm. and some sort of mm -hmm. like fairy person in the left corner where entrapta usually is and who could that be it's Flutterina, but... It's Flutterina, right. a.k.a. AKA Double, Double Trouble. Trouble. Yes. So, yes. And Mara is, you know, like a hologram yeah. version of herself. She's not a fully fleshed yeah. out human being. Right. So we have all that and the song. And still we have the question of, are we going to win in the end? Oh, maybe. We don't know. 
We got some new people. We got some new people. So we don't know what they're bringing no to the table. No idea what they're bringing to the table. So now we're... And Scorpio is very Scorpio's sad. Really so I think sad. it depends who you ask. I know. Scorpio is very sad. Catra's very mean looking. I don't know. Yeah, you know. Some... But on the other hand, we've got Mara. Yeah. And, you know, we've got double trouble. Don't... We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen. But, you know. But all you can do is keep on keeping keep on. Keep on keeping if on. If you give up, you're definitely not going to win Definitely yet. not. You know, so now we're going to go back to Bright Moon again. And we finally kind yeah. of have Glimmer talking out what's going on with the with the best friend squad. And we see some guests arriving yeah. from a distance. We do. And OK, I have a question about this. So we see like all these people okay. arriving from from various parts of Etheria, right? So uh-huh. we see all these people from like di- different kingdoms and villages. And we know that because they're all kind of dressed differently or like are different you know humanoid versions of creatures so right and some of them we know right. and so we know that they're right from like we places. see like some folks that we know from um plumeria and and like um selenius yeah, Seymour, yeah so yeah so we're seeing all so now i have a question here okay so we mm-hmm. know that the different kingdoms right are like kingdoms right but then there are like these like independently run villages, right? Like Elberon and like Thamor. Mm-hmm. Like, are mm-hmm. they like under the like protection of the kingdoms they're in proximity to? Is it like, right? Is it like an Earth Kingdom thing, right? Or are they like, yeah, I don't know. Independent it's c- never city states. It's never made explicitly clear. Yeah. And I don't really. Personally, I don't feel like I need to know that level of detail. Sure, sure. I mean, it's just kind of a little fun thought exercise thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it could be an Earth Kingdom type situation. Like you're talking about the world of Avatar and Legend of yes. Korra. I assume. Yeah. It could be a one of those, or it could be sort of a loose affiliation of independent communities where like if you get a new ruler, we'll all come to your party. Right. And if we get a new ruler, you'll all come to our party. We're all friends right. here. Like it could be one of those. Right. We 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 have you know you we give you wheat and in return you protect us with your military strength or something like that. But yeah, but yeah, we are a yeah. sovereign um, nation. So yeah, and you know since you were bringing up this question, it sort of goes along with something that I had bulleted for basically the very end of the episode: the question of kingdoms in general. Yes. Um, I just want to point out. That, you know, obviously we here and now in our, you know, modern day worldview, we don't necessarily approve of kingdoms as a system of government, of royalty, but there was clearly no way for them to get around that. Princesses are in the title of the show. Mm -hmm. Um, And also princesses and kingdoms and royalty are a very common trope, both in children's literature and in fantasy worlds in general. And so I, I personally, and this is just for mm-hmm. me, I feel comfortable letting that exist without having to put too much real world implications on it as like a system of government. This is just a fantasy yeah, trope. Yeah, no, I agree. It's definitely and just I'm a fantasy trope. Oh, oh no, absolutely. Yeah. But you know, it's all it's also like a fun thing of like, okay, in this kind of worldview and like in this world building, you know, like what's the deal? You know, yeah, yeah. Like, is 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 Bright Moon really in charge of every little town? Right. In in the Why vicinity, does Bright Moon have queens, right? Whereas everyone else is yeah. a princess. All that stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. 
absolutely. Everyone else is a princess forever. And, except for and Bo. in the very beginning, except for Bo, when we first meet Mermista in her introductory episode, someone mentions, I think it's Glimmer actually, who mentions that since Mermista's father retired, right. she's now in charge right. of Selenius. Right. So there was once a king in Selenius, but now that he's retired and we never meet him, he's, he's retired, he's not dead. There's never going to be a queen. She's just going to be a princess forever. You know, it's just because it's more fun to be a princess, I, I basically. Think so, yeah. Also, I love the idea of like <laughs> the like royalty retiring and like I actually have that. I want to bring that up a little bit later in the episode, but okay. yeah, I definitely talk about royalty and retirement too. Yeah, yeah. So these are the levels of details that personally I'm just not fussed about because it's less fun yeah. than than other aspects of of these tropes. And it's like you know we only have 22 minutes. Yeah, we only have 22 <laughs> minutes and. It's a show that's really about characters, so whatever. Yes, like everything else, quite everything right. else is just kind of you know, quite hanging right. for the characters. So, yes. And speaking of the characters, um, Glimmer, as she's watching her guests arrive, she says, "I can't believe this is really my coronation day." Me, Queen Glimmer, sounds so weird, and that's a perfect entryway for Bo to practice various ways of saying Queen Glimmer. <laughs> I, know, I loved it. And this is what we're all really here for. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Bo trying to, <laughs> to hear Bo say Queen Glimmer like a hundred different ways. Glimmer. I love that. Queen Glimmer. He's like, yeah, now that's going to take some getting used to. And then we <laughs> kind of we have the first kind of, you know, look at like, I never thought this would actually happen. Yeah. And I also think it's very deliberate that Glimmer is framed by the Moonstone mm. throughout this conversation. She's framed next to the Moonstone often. Yes. Um, in this episode. Because yes. um, the Moonstone represents Angela. Right, exactly. And no one is wanting to talk about her, but Glimmer is constantly thinking about her, so she keeps looking back at the Moonstone. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, it makes sense that Glimmer never thought this would happen. Her mother can't die. Of course. And so, Yeah. Sheesh. Of course. And so Adora immediately jumps into overly upbeat mode. Yep. Mm -hmm. Hey, don't worry. You got me and Bo beside you all the way. We'll make sure this day is perfect. Right. Yep. Which is one of her buzzwords for the episode. Yeah. Perfect. Which is so like such a weird transition from like the last episode where like, did not we learn that when things are perfect, they rarely are. Yeah, yeah. That perfect is not a, a healthy human goal. Yeah, but it also like this is very much this is you know throughout the episode we're going to see the different characters responding to their own grief about the situation, but also how their friend is grieving and how they can make things better. And yes, and not knowing, not knowing what they're, what supposed, they're supposed to, to do. do, and not knowing if they're supposed to make things better because you know that's also a weird part of grief and grieving. So. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. Adora is tr is that friend right now is the one that's trying to make sure everything is perfect. So Glimmer, you know, mm -hmm. doesn't, you know, have to feel anything so we can kind of move on and Glimmer's going to be OK. Yeah, yeah. And I do think that that is definitely an aspect, certainly of American culture and Western culture in general, is to feel like you're supposed to do something yeah. about everything uh -huh. is that you can't just let feelings sit and exist. You have to do something about it. Yeah, I I. <laughs> And that's not always that's the answer. That's not always the answer. And that's a really hard lesson to learn for yeah. a lot of folks. So. Yes, indeed. Indeed. So, 
Yeah. So time for Auntie Casta to leap into action. So, you know, after Glimmer asks, you know, we okay, yeah, you know, she just kind of pushes it down and pushes through a little bit. And uh Adora, she says, Do I look okay? And Adora says, like a queen. And like mm-hmm. you could you could see that hit. Like that hits. And yeah, yeah, yeah. that's gonna keep hitting. And then of course we have Auntie Casta coming in being like, Oh, you know, you know, ca- Auntie Casting yes. around. There's so much to yes. do being a Party planner Party mode, planner. time to attend to your guests yep. and, uh, you know, attend to the official queenly coronation. Prep. Yep. You know, move it right along. Yeah, and As long as we keep to the schedule, there won't be any time to be sad, basically, is like the vibe. Well, yeah, and also, like, you know, there's the vibe here that it's like, you know, this this is very similar to having a grieving child who has to take care of this do their mother's you know funeral and like ha- there are things that you have to do while you are grieving um like in a lot of different you know situations you're like okay well i have to talk to the funeral director and i have to you know do all of these other things and i have to write this and there is often a person there reminding you that yes you have to do these things and so we're also going to see kind of how glimmer reacts and responds and moves with that as well cuz that is not easy to do that is very true. But for whatever reason, I mean, you could be right. And there's probably multiple ways to interpret this. That's not the vibe I'm getting from Aunt Casta. Because if it were a question of someone has to talk to the funeral director, Aunt Casta could do that. Sure. But I feel like Aunt Casta is deliberately trying to keep Glimmer's mind off of anything sad by saying, oh, but look at all these happy, you know, you're the queen now. It's time to do fun queen stuff. Look at all these official queen things we have to do. Sorry, I shouldn't be clapping my hands. That's not a podcast friendly thing. But, you know, it's like I feel like she's using the party planning as a distraction from grief. Mm, I can see that. Rather than these are the hard tasks that have to be done now, even though what you're saying is accurate. I think it's definitely I think it's a combination of the two. I think it's if we get the hard tasks, you know, like let's do these tasks so you won't have to think about it. But like also they have to be done. Right. Like. I think it could be a combination of the two. Yeah, I think both of those things are at play. Yeah, I think so, too. So we have, you know. So she leaves the room and then Bo and Adora discuss how this must be hard for Glimmer. Sure. I mean, the disconnect between like ascending the throne and holy shit, your mom is my mom is dead is like, hold. Wow. (laughs) She's this is supposed to be. A, a celebratory day for her and how can you celebrate when your mom just right. died so because and because it's both and so like the right and like this day wouldn't be happening if angela had exactly died. yeah so it's a lot of cognitive it's dissonance. a it's a lot it's a lot to deal with and adora again is determined to make it a perfect day for glimmer all they have to do is just not mention her dead mom yeah. at all and therefore, Glimmer just won't think we'll about it. We'll just make sure everything is That's perfect. That's how that works, That's right? To- yeah, totally. You know, Glimmer has no, you know, object permanence. So as long as... Right? Right. If someone is sad and you just don't bring it up, then the sadness goes totally. away. Totally. That's how That's that how, works. That's how sadness works. Yes. And my last note for this scene is, please note again that the brightly glowing moonstone is framed prominently throughout the scene, even after Glimmer leaves. Mm. The moonstone represents Angela even after she's gone. Oh, Jenny. Oh, I loved that. Thank you. (sighs) So 
Is this our walk and talk? Oh, before the walk and talk, I have, sorry, I realize it's not the next scene. It's not about the next scene. I have a bullet about, before we go to the next scene, let's talk about why Adora is so wrong about feelings and grief processing here. <laughs> let's talk about why Adora is so wrong about feelings and grief processing. I mean, that's kind of what the whole episode is about. Sure. I. But I just have a couple of little bullets. It's not going to take Yeah, long. no, let's let's do it because I had some ideas too, um, so. Okay, cool. Like, you know, we all know that bad slash sad feelings don't go away if you ignore or repress right. them. It's literally the opposite. Yeah. Um, and so this is not a direct parallel. It's just something I thought of um, when I was thinking about the scene um, is the graphic novel Mouse by Art Spiegelman. Mm. Um, spelled M-A-U-S, if anyone has not read that and wants to pick it up. It's a very, very powerful graphic novel about the Holocaust, um, written by the son of a Holocaust survivor. And he draws the Jews as mice and the Nazis as cats. And this is, you know, a direct first person account from a death camp survivor. And so a lot of what it's about is just the burden of witness. Mm, the person mm-hmm. whose account this is witnessed horrible things and survived mm-hmm. and he passed it he passed what he witnessed onto his son and you know just hearing about it is a burden yeah and struggling with what do i do with this knowledge and so you know he he ended up writing a book mm-hmm. about it and so that eases his burden to share it again with more people and the opening scene of the second book shows him and again everyone is drawn as either a cat or a mouse there are no human figures in this book he draws himself sitting at his desk talking about these things that he's struggling with the burden of witness and you see like flies buzzing around him and then in the final panel of that page it zooms out and you see that he's sitting at his desk on top of a pile of bodies and that represents how he feels about this project is that that's the burden of having been sort of handed down this witness is that's you know yeah when when you have to hand someone else's feelings or when you experience something directly it's a you know feelings are a burden and how do you ease that burden you have to share it and they fight a lot um art and his Mm -hmm. father it's not an easy relationship um, and the father just wants someone, you know, ideally he'd go to therapy, but, you know, old people from the old world rarely go to therapy. Right, yeah. Um, and one of the things he says when they're just frustrated with each other, the old man says, but I haven't with whom else to talk. You know, you need to talk about shit. Yeah. You can't just ignore it. Yeah. Um, and again, like for me, it absolutely helped um, for me to talk about my mom when I was grieving. It did not make it worse. It did not hurt. It made it better at every opportunity yeah. and Adora's gonna learn Adora's that Adora's gonna learn that yeah but she has to go Just through not, her not right yeah, she has to go through her own <laughs> quest her own quest of queens her own ritual yes, which indeed. we learn about from uh, from Auntie Casta yes now we can have our hallway walk and talk with Auntie so Casta so Auntie Casta gives a little bit of uh, a little bit of um of exposition here saying that you know so in order for everything to happen the ceremony begins with the ritual quest followed by glimmer's first speech as queen and then most importantly the grand ball Woo-hoo, another party because you know yeah they're gonna you know sit shiva and you know eat locks and bagels 
Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen here. I don't think here. that's going to happen here. But luckily, as Adora says, they are great at quests. They are great at quests. And we learn about the quest of the queens, which I think is fucking cool. I really liked this little part of I it, too. I think so, too. I think so, too. And at this early stage, um, even though it doesn't last, Glimmer gives Adora a little look, a little affectionate look when Adora says, oh, we're great at quests. She's like, aw, I know you're trying, buddy. I appreciate you. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yes. Thanks. You know, thanks, thanks buddy. Thanks buddy. Um, yeah, and I found that very sweet. And then we have Casta kind of talking about the, you know, what the quest of, the quest of, the queens. Quest of queens, what it is, in which Glimmer will forge yes. her connection with the Moonstone. And we learn that the Moonstone's power has been balanced between her and Queen Angie. Yes. So... Since Glimmer was Since born. Glimmer was born. But now with her absent. Absent. Which is technically true. Yes. She, she is, is absent. absent. She is not going to continue to draw any power from the moonstone. Right. So Glimmer has to take the power of all of the power of the moonstone and be responsible yes. for it. Yes. At which point Bo hastily interjects to keep anyone else from directly referencing the fact that Queen Mom is absent. Yep. Uh, Even though we all know it. Right, right. Not a secret. Not a secret. Come on, guys. And Bo is like, yes. let's go back and talk about that quest. How about that? We're great yes. at quests. And yes. And I'm a little bit disappointed in Auntie Casta because even though everyone else in this scene is technically still a teenager, they might be like 20 at this point. Yeah. The timeline's a little hazy, but they are young. Yeah. But Auntie Casta is grown. Yeah, she's a grown ass lady. She should be the one. She should not be, you know, cowing to the emotional anxiety of a group of college students, basically. She should be like, you know, this is my niece. Her parents are dead. We're going to honor them. Right, right. You know, that's how you do. But, but she she just keels right well, over. Well, she's also dealing her own stuff, too, though. I know. Yeah. I know. But I'm just saying, like, listen, my aunt is not perfect either. <laughs> she voted for Giuliani twice in the 90s. Yeah, that's not great. Okay. But still, when my mom was dying and when she died, you know, it's like something kicks in when you are in charge of a child who is your family. You do whatever you have to do to be there for right. them. You know, my aunt was so there for me. And, you know, we've had our ups and downs. We fought a lot about politics when I was coming of age and she was an adult. And we know we both know that if we get into it about politics, we would tear each other apart. But we deliberately don't do that because we know we love right, each other. Right, right. And when we want to have, like, can you help me see your point of view talks, we have them occasionally and we always end with a mm -hmm. hug. But when it comes to family, she always makes sure that I know she has my back. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, like, I'm not going to get into the details of what she said to us, to me and my mom both when my mom was on her deathbed, because you will cry forever. But like, you know, she swore that she would always protect me yeah. and that she would always be there for me. And mm -hmm. Casta has not really been there for Glimmer on that level. And I know she's capable of it. So I feel like she's going a little too far in service of the plot line. Yeah, I see, I, I, I see that. I agree. She's definitely not being the like, she's definitely not being soft, right? And, and is like emotionally available. Or strong. Yeah. You know, soft is strong in cases like this. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Like, listen, it's okay for you guys to all be a hot mess right, right. now, but I'm the adult. I'm the mom figure. Right. And I'm telling you that, you know, even though your mom's not here, we're going to honor her and this is what we're going to do and it's going to be okay. But instead she's, you know, she's 
exposition. She's also, she's the exposition character, yes, though. She's she's the exposition, but she's like wacky, yeah. slightly unhinged. Because she's party planner. Because she's wacky. She's wacky Auntie Casta. So I know, I know, but I feel like you know, in absence of yeah. this particular plotline needing the wackiness, she could rise to the occasion yeah, better. Yeah, I, I would agree. I would agree. Yeah. But regardless, we have wacky, wacky Auntie Casta. And she does a she, you know, continues to do the uh, exposition. She does this cool, like, scroll conjure air sigil thing. Mm -hmm. That was cool. And she's, you know, trying to get all the stuff together. What about these flower arrangements? Do you like them? She throws the sacred lantern at she them. That's an important yep, piece. She throws the sacred lantern. The squirrels hit Bo in the face. Like, it's getting yep, the flower yep. arrangements going. Yes. The dude from Plumeria yeah, has the flowers. I know. Yes. Oh, our, our himbo Plumerian pal. <laughs> yes. And then, as you said, she asks Glimmer, in the midst of all this relative chaos, what do you think about the flowers? And Glimmer says they're fine. Yeah. And Casta. But Casta <laughs> takes from that, oh, you're right, they're terrible. And also, this dude is fine. And he cries. Poor know, himbo. Poor himbo's just doing his <laughs> He's job. He's just trying to do his job. Just himboing about, dude, this is great. I made these flowers. And then, yeah. oh, man, I got fired. Oh, dude. Oh. Anyway, that, that's my himbo yeah. voice. <laughs> Thanks. It's good. It's good. So, you know, Glimmer... As she will, again, many times, tries to interject, but Casta just tells her not to worry about a thing. Yeah. In addition to being a powerful sorceress, <laughs> I'm also a legendary harder planner. I love this will be a coronation for the ages. I love this little, like, tableau that they put about, she's, like, framed by these two plumerians, just, like, paying yes. homage to her, and she's surrounded by cakes, yes. and Casta, yes. I mean, Casta might not be doing the best job of doing emotional support, but she's fucking crushing it by being an incredible queen she yes <laughs> she is she is she's, crushing the party she's planning aspect fierce I'm <laughs> yes i love this little out of universe moment um it sort of reminded me of seahawk when he burst into song yeah. and like you know instruments and flags appear out of exactly. nowhere like all of a sudden she's surrounded by these this hall of towering cakes that are all taller than she is they're just just for that one second they all yeah, appear and it's like Ta -da! I know I loved it I yeah, loved it so that was fun um, but all of this has no effect on Glimmer no. she's still melancholic as she has the right to be absolutely um, she's not in the mood to teleport them all out to the terrace she just kind of smacks Cass's mm -hmm. hand away and walks off so they all walk out to the and, terrace and the terrace it's a another and what do they oh find oh my god the a fucking mess so frosta has been being the most ridiculous little sister ever and made this just <laughs> i can't even describe it it is like <laughs> it's just a massive, a massive ice, sculpture ice sculpture of like buff frosta and glimmer as huntara sized yeah, buddies like best ice ice sculpture buff pals and it's just like i love that frosta is such that like little like that little kid They're like yeah I, I think we should punch stuff and be huge like i love yeah, that. that little kid who sees themselves as like a buff yeah giant. and it's like all about strength right like that's where yeah that's wh where yep. she puts her emphasis yep. you know her importance is in yeah. strength 
So and you you have you still haven't seen Kipo in the Age of Wonder Beasts. Have I haven't you? watched the full thing. What I saw, I loved, but I I. It's truly wonderful. Yeah. Um, and the lead character is voiced um, by Karen Fukuhara, who is the voice of mm-hmm. Glimmer. Um, it's a wonderful, wonderful show. And so um, Kipo's best friend, Wolf, is also very small and diminutive. Although I think they're probably roughly the same age. Um, and so in her inner fantasy life, she pictures herself and Kipo as like buff giants. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. And they go that. on buff giant adventures together. Yeah, I remember that. That was fun. And so this kind of reminds me of that. Um, it's very endearing, even though, of course, it's not helpful at this moment. No, no. And Glimmer even says this is going to be awful, <laughs> but she still tries to be tactful yeah. um, and sort of redirect Frosta the way you do with kids. Uh-huh. She says, I appreciate the idea, but I need someone for a very important job to uh, greet the guests. Which, according to Frosta, is be a bouncer? Oh, you need a bouncer. I'm on hey. it. Bouncer. And she does these like ice fists. Uh, yes. And so that's her tagline for the rest of the episode. She yells at people and then says, bouncer. <laughs> it's like her dream. Come I know. True, I love honestly. it. She's got like these like ice Hulk fists. And then it's just like, yep. you know, yep. it's awesome. And Glimmer's like, well, yep. yeah, fine. You know, fine, yeah, kid. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Glimmer just does not have the spoons for all of the stuff that people are asking of her right now. And then before she even has a chance to deal with that, Uncast is back with another very important decision about party color schemes, which she has already clearly decided on. Oh, definitely. Yes. And then she's like, oh, isn't this fun? Soon you'll be making many important decisions, just like your As Bo and Adora furiously gesture behind (laughs) Glimmer's back, for her to stop talking and not say that because again we all know that if you just don't mention Glimmer's dead mom Glimmer won't think about her dead mom because that's how that works. That's how that works. Everything will be fine. It will be perfect. It's perfect. Everything's fine. Yes. And Glimmer won't have to worry about anything. No, but Casta (laughs) It is kind Uh, of fun to watch Casta scramble around trying to take her foot out of her mouth. I know. It it is. And of course Sandra Oh is just (laughs) phenomenal. She's she could do anything, and she's yeah. This is a very different kind of role for Sandra. Yeah. Oh. It's so easy to forget that it's her because she's so light and silly, and that is so not Sandra. And oh, fu- she's in, so in her usual funny. Role. Even when she's doing comedy, it's not silly. Like yeah. she yeah, usually like does, this. like satires or like darker comedies, but this is like yeah, exactly. She, it's exactly. so she's so she's fun yeah like really and usually fun when sandra oh is doing comedy it's mostly in her face and you don't get that yeah yet. yeah it's true it's so it's very different it's really she's awesome and just the lightness she, the high like she usually just doesn't talk in this that's high of a register it's a completely different yeah, voice. she does have a higher register as anti-casta anti-casta that's true so yeah so it's all very funny yeah Aww. um and so in this sort of hasty trying to backpedal and not say what she just said She's like, uh, floral arrangements. Where's the florists? And Glimmer's like, you fired him. <laughs> and so then, uh, you know, Aunt Cass is like, well, why don't you do the flowers, Glimmer? And Glimmer's like, uh, Marista, why don't you do the flowers? And then Perfuma completely falls apart and has a huge meltdown because no one thought to ask her to I do know, the flowers. I love the Perfuma meltdown. And I I couldn't tell, but, and you know, as if 
like Mermis is like flower arranging is my passion and we can see later in the episode that she really loves flower arranging but I also think part of her passion is pissing off Perfuma oh, like yeah. so I think she got like a double whammy here of like getting to piss off Perfuma and also flower arranging I think my read on it and I mean this could go either way was that she was being sarcastic and she's like wow flower arranging is my passion how'd you know but then she's like this is pissing off Perfuma so then she yeah, got so into I'm it get because it. Yeah, of yeah, that. Exactly. That's and then she found that she enjoyed yes. it. But initially she's like, oh fine, I'll do it. No, no, no. I <laughs> I, I absolutely agree with you on that. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. But so it gets it gets more and more funny as a little side and, piece. And now we get to talk about Swift Wind's coronation. Oh my song. god. Everyone here is such a fucking mess. So Swift Wind Swift Wind comes so in. So many divas. So many divas. This is a good time to talk about my song. So uh, I will require a stage and some oats for my backup horse. And this is going into my one and only Professor Smart Brain moment. Also, I have no idea what the topic is going to so, be. As we can see here that Swift Wind is a tough negotiator. And I wrote in my notes, I wonder what is it, what is in his rider? So this Professor Smart Brain moment <laughs> interesting. is a little bit about uh, artist, artist management and contract negotiation. We are going to talk wow. about, I know. Once again, a topic that I have <laughs> no knowledge about. We are going to talk about what is a rider. So. It's the person on the back of the horse. Yes, but not here. In fact, a, a rider here. is a set of requests or demands that a performer sets uh, as a criteria a criteria for performance, and they're typically fulfilled by the hosting venue. So there are kind of two, and this is like they're normally associated with like a comedian or um, a band. Really, really. Like bands really right. do this, like comedians, all that stuff. So, so the two most common categories that are, you know, in a rider are hospitality, which is kind of what it sounds like. I need bottles of water backstage in my room after the show. I need food, booze, towels, changing rooms, security, those sorts of things that you kind of want to get yourself ready for the show after you play, those sorts of things to make sure that, you know, you are comfortable enough as an artist and you have what you need to be a body that can perform. Yes. The next thing that is on all writers is the technical part. So the technical writer includes the equipment that is needed, that the venue needs to provide, a stage plot, which is just a fancy way of saying a place where everything goes on stage. It's like a little map where you put stuff on stage. Lighting design input list, which is a list of all of the stage connections, which is usually mics or amps that are going into the stage from the soundboard. So you have everything laid out. So, you know, tech crew can plug stuff in uh, if you need particular instruments or and associated gear. So a lot of the times it's usually large instruments that suck to travel with. So like piano or drum kits, like, you know, just being like, I'm not traveling with a drum kit, have one set up for me, amps and, and speakers and cabs, crew, etc. So that's what a rider is. It's all reasonable. Yeah, totally reasonable. And I've heard, I've heard of artists, usually like top shelf artists making really outlandish requests. Why, like you I have... want a giant bowl of only blue M&Ms. Ah, so Jenny, this is a really interesting thing that I'm about to bring up. So, oh, as tell. Jenny mentioned, many popular artists can make these very kind of extravagant demands, but they're not necessarily extravagant demands for the, you know, express purpose of them being extravagant. 
which I'll get to in a moment. Because I want to talk about my favorite, absolute favorite rider of all time that I've ever seen. And then I'll get into that. Nice. So, so my favorite rider of all time was by Grace Jones. So Grace Jones is a legendary art pop artist, old school gender fucker, like model, actress, genius, queer icon of the ages, and has a legendary rider that includes, amongst other things, <laughs> six <laughs> bottles of Cristal. Four bottles of French red wine, four bottles of French white wine, two sashimi plates for eight people. And this is my absolute favorite part. Two dozen oysters and an oyster knife because Grace Jones does her own shucking. That's hot. It literally says in the rider so she can do her own shucking. (laughs) She does not want her oysters shucked by anyone. She shucks. That's really gay. She shucks herself. I want to have sex right now. I mean, it's, yeah. <laughs> also, it's Grace Jones. So, yeah. That's awesome. So, to speak, so I want to say that, and then we're going to go circle back around. So, to speak to what you were saying about, oh, the M&M's thing, that's a really famous one. And here's why it's on the rider. So, Van Halen was the one that did the M&M's thing. And they specifically, famously okay. asked for a bowl of M&M's with all the brown ones removed. Oh. Really specific <laughs> request, right? So you're like, why the fuck? They're just diva rock stars. That's not why. So. So why is So here's, this is the awesome thing. And this is actually something that really super works because I've done it before in a past life. So they had this particular very specific odd request because they knew when they walked into the dressing room, if they saw that bowl of M&Ms with no brown ones, that their rider was read thoroughly enough and taken seriously. That means that the and if that wasn't done, then what else hadn't Including been done? Including safety things. And this happened. Right. I remember now. I remember yeah, now. And they yes. did that because they had an instance in an early show where their rider wasn't fulfilled for like safety and crew. And one of their crew members almost died because the stage collapsed. Oh, So my they gosh. actually like you put in these ridiculous requests so right. the vet- they added that almost as a safety feature. Yeah, exactly. So if they, they know that the people that were fulfilling these quests were being fastidious enough so that they would yeah. take the other things seriously. I get it now. That's actually really smart. It's really smart. I love that. Especially in light of the story about how someone's safety was put in jeopardy because people hadn't been reading the rider thoroughly. And so they put something in just to make sure people were reading the rider thoroughly. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it is really fun to do. I've I've done it. I've been in situations where we had the ability to have a rider read and fulfilled. And it was fun to put in the weird little things to make sure that they were doing it. So that reminds me of a test we took once in fifth grade. And I don't remember what class it was in, but it was like the whole point of the test is just to see how well you follow instructions. That's the only thing this test is about. And step number one was read through all the steps before you start. And it was like three pages of steps. And the final one was disregard everything. Don't do anything. Just do nothing. So if you read all the way through before you started, you wouldn't have to do anything. Okay, I got it. Right. So if you actually read through the whole thing, you were off the hook completely. There is no test. But if you start, if you read number one, it's like, put your name on the test. Right, right. If you you got sick of reading through and you're like, I'm just going to start. Then you'd be doing it for hours before you got to the end and realized that you were fucked and that you didn't actually have to do any of that I shit. I would have been fucked. 
I mean, that was the whole point. It was meant to try to trick you to be like, see, I told you in step one to read all the way through. And I, I would have been like, fuck you, Test. You're not my real dad. <laughs> exactly. So that was my <laughs> Professor Smart Brain moment wow. on Riders. That's very interesting. I can't believe we got through all of that interesting information just from Swiftwind demanding oats for his backup there horses. There we go. It's just like, by the way, where the hell was Swifty all last season? Yo, I don't, maybe he was making friends. Maybe he was starting, a, it sounds like he was kind of starting a band. He might have been. He might have been starting a band. He might have been starting an uprising in other sure. places. Now that, you know, he's come into his consciousness as a socialist equestrian. Yeah, I love that. Equine, not an equestrian, a socialist equine. Yeah, he's an equine. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, he's been out doing, making some moves of yeah. his own. So, but we, we're happy to see you again, Swifty. Good times. We are happy he's we back. We love Swifty. We do. We are yes. a pro Swift Wind podcast. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Um, but so he doesn't get a chance to have any of his rider conditions met. He because doesn't. Boom. Ice ball. Bouncer. Bouncer. <laughs> but Adora still thinks everything's coming together really well. It's perfect. Well. Everything's perfect. As Perfuma continues to have a meltdown in the yeah, background. Yeah, this is just like, you know, everything on top of each other, other completely overwhelming, yeah. like, sensory yeah, inputs. Yeah, we're having this buildup yeah. of increasingly hectic, fast-paced little details yeah. all being thrown at Glimmer by everyone. Um, I've got a bulleted list. I don't know if it even no, matters. No, let's go through it. Okay, so we've got Bo looking through the endless scroll of instructions for the quest of queens yep. and being confused by it. He doesn't know where to find the ceremonial robe that Glimmer needs to wear. And Glimmer says, well, we can all look together. And Adora jumps in and says, don't worry. You know, the two of us will find it for right, you. Right. And then Aunt Casta comes over. She wants to Glimmer to come to the dining room to pick a napkin folding technique. And then she immediately negs herself and says she should fire herself. And Glimmer's like, no, no, don't do that. And then a giant waterfall of seaweed splashes down over them because this is part of Mermista's floral arrangements. Yeah, I, I love that it's and part then, of her process. Right. And then Casta storms off and Adora turns the sword of protection into a moth. I love and this. And says, it's okay. We'll handle everything. You go have fun. I love that. That is like the and most useful, like... Yeah, I mean, it can literally be anything she can imagine. Yes. And I have some interesting thoughts on that later. We will circle oh, back to that. Oh, of course you do. We we all do, Jenny. We've all gone there. <laughs> of course. I know. I'm not so unique yeah. on that one. Uh, and Glimmer's last line in here is like, fun, right? Mm. Um, and, and so as Glimmer's saying this, she charges up. So she's glowing like the moonstone. Mm -hmm. And she looks up at the moonstone with this uncertain, sad, regretful look on her face. And she walks away. Yeah, it looks like she was maybe like thinking about teleporting and then just like couldn't. That could be. But yeah, like there was a whole thing there about like feeling like trying to pump up the energy. Right. Because I mean, like that's what that was supposed to like. Yeah. Telegraph. Trying to really force Glimmer into a happy right, headspace. And Glimmer tries to go along with it, but like her energy she's literally trying. fizzles out. She's not out. feeling yeah. it. She's not feeling it. And so my last bullet for this chunk is note, the first big chunk of the episode ends with Glimmer alone. Because mm. there's going to be a parallel for that later on. So I just wanted to make mm. note of that. Because we are about to transition away from Bright Moon <laughs> to a different place. Is it the Bright Zone? You know it's I the know Bright it's Zone. I know it's the Bright Zone. <laughs> We're in the fright zone. Take us 
we're in the fright zone and Hordak is moping. He, we have some damage inspection from Catra. Yes, we see th- those yes. were Adora's broken glowing cuffs, right? Is that the when she picks up the cuffs? Do you remember? Oh, that could be. I mean, I was just sort of my my note is just like equipment is all fucked up, things are smashed, etc. Those could be Adora's. I think they were Adora's broken handcuffs. Broken handcuffs. Yeah. So yeah, we have, yeah. you know, we have Catra going through junk. And meanwhile, Hordak is literally just like sitting in the broken portal moping. He's just yeah. like pouting like a little bitch is what yeah, I have. Yeah, let's let's go there. He's pouting like a little bitch. And Hordak yeah. is le- and Catra's like, hey, so we should make maybe make some plans now. Yeah, now is the time to make some moves. Our troops are just sitting around. What are we waiting we for? We have like a really good, like, this is a really good time for us to go do stuff. Yeah, yeah. We need to talk about plans. And Hordak is like, I'm a bitch. And Hordak's like, plans? <laughs> Your last plan was to set off the portal machine before it was ready. Do you remember how that ended? Like, and Katra like just blows him off and is like, sure, all right, it fucked up. But listen, the queen is gone and the rebellion is a mess, so we should yeah. go do something. And she has a really good point. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, I remember how that ended. <laughs> you got exactly what you said you wanted, yeah. you dumb yeah, fuck. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, you said at the outset that all you needed was a sm- like a large enough window to get a signal through to Horde Prime. Guess what? Check. That happened. Yeah. Rebellion all fucked up. Check. That yeah. happened. Queen of the Rebel Alliance taken out. Fucking bonus points. Check. I mean, I'm not happy about it, but I'm saying Hordak has nothing to complain well, about. I mean, he does. You giant fucking man baby. I mean, yeah, your equipment is smashed up, but how do you expect to make any gains without having any losses? Right. Yeah. Like... Everything that he said he wanted to achieve has been achieved. Well, except for the fact that he did, you know, and I will extend a tiny bit of, you know, empathy to him. He did kind of lose this, like, lab partner slash girl he kind of liked. So, you know. That is true. (laughs) But as far as he knows, Catra had nothing to do with that. Right. No, he's just, but he's just, like, moping. Right, but he's blaming Catra. Right. Well, I mean, he's he's Hordak. He blames everybody for everything. I know. I'm just yeah. Mad. I, well, you should. I mean, be. obviously, he sucks. But <laughs> I'm just so mad that he's you know taking out all of his shit on Catra as oh, always. Yeah. And of course, Catra as always is being sensible. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, she's pointing out the rebellions in disarray. Now's our chance to gain the upper hand. And Hordak says, how are we going to do that when you couldn't even prevent the rebellion from infiltrating the fright zone? Mm-hmm. And I think Catra falls back on blaming Entrapta for that, for letting the princesses right, in. Right, which, okay, right, we know that. Which, that's not you know, right, we know that's that true. That's but not like... what really happened. But Hordak, again, <laughs> freaks right. out, has another man-baby tantrum, and continues destroying his already destroyed lab even further. Yeah, well, bef- stop tearing out load-bearing columns of rooms you're standing in, Hordak. Uh, he's such a whatever. I just want to say that as, you know, Catra brings up Entrapta, we have a really quick brief shot on the glowing first one's uh, brooch of love and friendship that powers his exoskeleton. And mm-hmm. Catra, it's kind of a point of view from Catra that, like, notices it, so... Yes, yes, I have that too. She is thinking some thoughts. She is because she's because she's smart. 
catch yes, wicked catches smart. wicked smart. So, and I also have another note there that even though Hordak's first one's crystal and Shadow Weaver's little piece of the black garnet that was in her mask are two totally separate things, they do look very similar. Oh yeah, they're the same color and roughly the same shape, mm. and they fill very similar functions. Yeah, like this is my tiny piece of power that acts as a talisman Ooh. for the person wearing it, granting extra power and strength. Ooh, and Catra, and Catra defeats both of them in a very similar way. Catra knows how to find the small piece of vulnerability, yeah, the chink in the armor. Yeah, because that's what Catra's strength is. Yeah, Ooh. yeah, and it's funny because that little chink in the armor is the source of strength, but also the weakness. Yeah. Oh. Jenny, that was so, so tasty. So in a way, Catra's like, oh, I've seen this shit before. Uh-huh. Ooh, and also, you know, from from like the higher like metaphoric level of of Catra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like because it's not actually the same, but yeah, it functions it's, it's the, in kind of the same it, way. And it's just more of like this is how Catra fights. Catra fights smart. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I love that. Yeah, it was yeah, delicious. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we have more of Hordak doing what he does, blah, blah, blah. The only reason you're here instead of facing punishment for your failure, you know, is... Yeah, and that... Is because whatever... Oh, Horde Prime. No, the signal went through, so... Oh, because the signal went through to yeah, Horde Prime. Yeah, and, and now, get I mean, out. he does the... He does his Dawn Summers. <laughs> yeah. Get out, get out, get I, out. I have that written here, too. Yeah, yes. obviously. <laughs> and then, but we see yes. a, an awesome gay smirk and a plan, and this is yep. my gayest moment. Yep. Number one is Catra and nice. her gayest mark. Um, and we have a parting shot of Catra's face. Oh yes, that's what you just said. Her gay mark because her expression goes from cold mm-hmm. to gay smirk as that door is closing in yeah, on her, which is and it's very satisfying. It's a classic Catra gay smirk move. It is. It is. And so that is the second chunk of the episode. So the first chunk of the episode ended with Glimmer alone, and the second chunk of the episode ends with Catra alone. Mm. So I feel like the parallel between the two of them is being set up mm-hmm. right away. Yeah. Now we go back to Bright yep. Moon, to Glimmer's yep. bedroom. And we see Glimmer's still out of juice. She's alone in her room, looking sad and thoughtful. She's like gazing pensively at the little sparks of magic coming off her hands. Which are just kind of like fizzling. <laughs> yeah, she's like contemplating yeah. them. It doesn't seem like she's trying to do anything. Yeah. She's just sort of morosely contemplating. It's like when you're like fidgeting or you're like you're flicking something or you're running like a pen through your fingers or something. Yeah, yeah. Or like mindlessly scrolling through your phone, not really mm-hmm. looking. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Bo and Adora and Aunt Casta show up with the royal coronation robe that they finally found. And it occurred to me on my final viewing of this, when was the last time this robe was used? Like, when is the last time they had a coronation? Okay, I also have that too. I have like a whole like thing I want to talk about with that. Because there's no way this robe fit in. No, no. It's huge. Yeah. Like, I think this would have been too big for Huntara even. Yeah, so like, also like, who was the queen before Angie? Was it like an immortal angel? Like, did they also retire? Does Glimmer have grandparents? What? I mean, if your mom is immortal, right? what are the long-term implications of right? that? I mean, she probably has grandparents on her father's sure, side. Sure, but like, I'm talking about like... But like, where did her immortal mother come yeah. from? Did they like, did her parents retire to Boca with like, with like <laughs> the king of Selenius? Like, what? Is the there's truly no way for us no, to know? No, but I do have a 
this <laughs> as I was watching this, I came up with a really wacky theory, which probably has right. no basis other than the fact that I'm bringing it up. So I mean, sure. Okay. So I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to post this to people and you're all going to be like, what? And the people on discord are going to be like, math, this is stupid, but I think it's fun. Okay. I don't think anyone would oh, say that. Well, you should, cause it's dumb, but okay. So we have, there's like a whole a fan theory out there that like Raz is uh, Angela and Angela? we're going to talk yes. about that in future episodes. Yes. And we've talked about it in past episodes, yes. but I'm going to say that Raz is Glimmer's grandmother. I like that yeah. idea. <laughs> Who retired to the woods. <laughs> I like that yeah. idea. There's no basis. I have no basis for this, but I want Glimmer to have a grandma. You know, I she needs too. a she needs a puppy. She needs a puppy. She, so, she does. She does. I mean, Raz can be your bubby even if she's not sure, literally your biological sure. grandmother. I mean, Raz is a bubby, like, you know, full yeah, stop. Yeah. To the world. Sure. Yeah. Possibly to the world. Yes, this is true. Yeah. But I love that idea. Yeah, but I'm like, you yeah, know. Yeah. So. I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, they're both immortal. Right. As far as we can exactly. tell. Exactly. Raz and Angela. Exactly. So instead of them being the same person, I'm going to say, I love that. It's Glimmer's booby. I love yeah. that. So I'm on board for that. So because that that would give some context, and uh, that still wouldn't explain, you know, why the robe was so huge. Because Raz is no, also it, tiny. The robe, <laughs> the robe is so huge. Well, I mean, old people shrink. Sure, but that's when they become sure, old. Sure, but that's a lot of shrink. It's yeah, it's a very large robe. It has to be huge because otherwise it wouldn't be hilariously funny. Right. To have Glimmer standing there looking like she's in the center of a collapsed circus tent. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's circus. Which is basically what yeah, it looks like. It's really it is funny. And to have them all smile and nod and try to pretend that it's not ridiculous. Yeah, but you know, Casta Casta does a little bit of like good aunting here where she's like, I'm so yeah, proud she- of you. She finally has her first yeah. serious moment. She says, oh, my little Glimmer, I'm so proud of you. I know you're going to make such a wonderful queen. Yeah. And in that moment, it kind of feels like she might be about to say, like, I know your parents would be so proud. Right. You know, they're in your heart, like something to acknowledge that. But instead, she just has this complete tonal shift. Mm-hmm. And she goes, well. Almost time for your quest. Give me a tick and this robe will fit like a dream. And she gives her a little nose I boop. know, I know. Oh, Auntie. And it's cute. But again, it's yeah. like not very validating. Right. But in. I know she's trying. She is trying. And I love that Auntie Casta is like, you know, also just like just a fiber artist on the side, you know. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, she's yeah. like. You gotta have a Yeah, hobby. she's like, I, you know, I sew. I, I knit. Sometimes I make yeah. cosplays for the kids, you know. Sure, I have a loom, sure. you know. It's just it's it's just how she unwinds. It's her art. I love that. Right. Yeah. That. Yeah. And Glimmer's, you know, trying to stay on course. She says, "Oh, you know, of course, the quest we still don't know anything about, but it'll be fine." Yeah. Cast a spell will fix the robe. Bo has the lantern and I'll have you guys by my side the whole way, right? <laughs> Right. right and <laughs> bill's like yeah right um could uh, we dora can we hey dora can i talk to you real over quick here uh, uh, yeah. in the, <laughs> in the hallway. hallway and yes. Bo, of course lost the lantern yes and by extension he comes to the conclusion that he has doomed the entire kingdom yeah, 
because he can't well, find the lantern. also like how Bo grieves too, though. Like Bo yeah, takes yeah, everybody it's... else's energy. We actually see this later in the season. Uh, Bo takes people's yeah. emotions and we've seen this before too and just internalizes them completely and it's like, and it's all my fault. Yeah. yeah. And it's easier to fixate on one detail yeah. that you can yeah. fix. Yeah. Um, and Adora yells at him semi-hysterically to calm down. <laughs> Has to be around here somewhere, right? This day is going to be perfect. Yeah, and that's some like big Buffy and Pang's energy right there. Just like, we just have to find yeah. the lantern and Glimmer will be on the riser. And it has to be around here. It's like, she's just like yes. loses and it. And we'll have Thanksgiving dinner and it's going to be yep. perfect. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Good call. Um, so Adora runs down the hall looking for the mm-hmm. lantern and she sees Shadow Weaver uh. walking freely down the yep. hallway, though she is flanked by two guards. Yep. Just like. And Shadow Weaver proceeds to do. The only thing she knows how to do when she knows two powerful women who are in any kind of caring relationship with each other. And she starts trying to drive a wedge between Adora and Glimmer, just like she did with Adora and Because she's a horrible narcissist. Yes. Uh, just, now, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, and I probably am, but Shadow Weaver's mask is now fully fixed. And it's like, it looks like a new... like. It maybe was before, and I just didn't notice it. But because we, we have like a kind of a closer, like close up on her face, but her mask is actually like it's fixed, and there's no like kind of space for the jewel anymore. It almost looks like she has a new mask. I wasn't paying attention to that, so I do not recall off the top of my yeah, head. I. But if you were paying attention, then I, I trust yeah, you. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is, I was paying attention to this shot because I'm like, oh, Shadow Weaver's mask doesn't have a crack down the front, and you know, yeah. there's no hole where the the gemstone yeah, yeah. shard should be. Yeah, probably so, makes sense. So, but like, yeah. did that happen here? Maybe. Anyway, here in Bright Moon, like, did that happen? Like between like did that happen between the last episode yeah, and this episode yeah that's what i'm trying to figure out like did they call the royal like mask maker to make her a new mask or something <laughs> probably okay. cool um i i did not pay attention to that detail i have to be honest cool. okay well it um, was just but i will trust you if you were paying attention yeah, so um it was probably something that had to get fixed at some right, point. Right, exactly. You know, you can't just... But like, if we're going to let you be walking about Bright Moon, we can't have you scaring the children with your freaky-ass cracked right, mask. Right, you have to scare them with your regular-ass cr- mask, so... Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Shadow Weaver's just um, being a horrible person, as she usually is, you know, yes, trying yes. to get in between two so, powerful women, yeah. Yes, so the, the meaningful... The only meaningful lines that I wrote down from this conversation was Shadow Weaver saying... Please convey my best wishes to our new queen. I hope you two are still close. Power changes people. Yep. And it's like, oh, cool. Thanks for like, you know, setting the fact that this is you are going to drive a wedge between them and yeah. laying out. Yeah. And, f- and Adora says Glimmer's a good friend. She'll be a good queen, too. Yeah. And, you know, she's like, mm, I hope for your sake, you're right. And it's like, OK, cool. So we're laying out the theme I'm for the whole sure season. I'm sure you do hope Yeah, that. sure. Yeah. You totally do. You're definitely not like seeing like somebody powerful that you can now manipulate. You're like, ooh. Yeah. Th- power changes people like you, right. Shadow ooh, Weaver. I have a new one and it's Micah's kid. Yes, yeah, a new toy. Yes. Basically, Shadow Weaver has a new yeah. toy. That's exactly so she's right. She's really excited about that. Yeah. Fucked up. So... I hope nothing will come of that. I hope not. I hope everything goes smoothly. Um, yes. But, so Frosta has been doing a great job as a bouncer, freezing anybody that's trying oh, yes. to sneak in. 
but she's running out of space to put people. Right. Because all these people are trying to come in. Including Seahawk. Yes, we only see Seahawk. And he comedically, <laughs> he's completely frozen in ice, but of course only his eyeballs yeah, can move. Like, mm, oh, oh. yeah, so that's fun. And then we immediately on the heels of that have more comic relief with passive-aggressive Perfuma sneaking up huffily on Mermista, who is doing her unique floral decorations. Yep. Um, it's art. <laughs> And it's what Glimmer wants. (laughs) I love the new queen, new era. And I love that. Because, like, we're still seeing that, okay, Mermista's getting into this, but really her passion is still trolling Perfuma. Yeah, yeah. Um, And, you know, it's like Glimmer never really said specifically what she wanted. She just didn't want to deal with the flowers herself. Right, exactly. And then Frosta busts up in the middle of them. Stop fighting! You're ruining Glimmer's big day! Bouncer! <laughs> and then, Bo- you know, having the time of her life. And then, life. Bo runs in. Has anyone seen the lantern? And Swiftwind has yes. it. And on his horn. And yes. he has this whole plan how he's going to, you know, he's going to yes. present it to Queen Glimmer and she's going to be all, Swiftwind, why don't you sing the coronation song you made up? And then everyone, and then yes. he starts singing it. And he proceeds to start singing the song yep. in an example of how it will yep. be when he presents the lantern to Glimmer. And so Glimmer walks out just in time to take in all of this chaos. Yeah, all these bitches are so messy. Yeah, yeah. We've got Bo and Adora wrestling with singing Swiftwind, who's singing, oh, Queen Glimmer. We've got these atrocious floral arrangements. We've got the melting WrestleMania ice sculptures. We've got frozen Seahawk, who can only move his eyeballs frantically. Back to the wrestling singing idiots. Mermista, Perfuma, and Frosta all start arguing. And it ends with a five-way split screen with Glimmer at the center, and we can only see her eyes trying to take in everyone who's demanding her attention. It's a really, they do a really good job of this frantic buildup. Yeah, yeah. Of everyone just being like, Glimmer, 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 Glimmer. (laughs) It made me really anxious when I was watching it. I was like, oh my God, leave her out loud. It's really good. Can't you see what she's going through, you people? Yeah. And, you know, but, you know, just as I'm about to yell it. (laughs) At this TV, yeah. Glimmer yells, everyone just stop. And then Glimmer's head yeah. falls right off the ice sculpture. Just as Glimmer. Yes, they the- both crack. Not Glimmer's real no, no, no. head. No, no. The ice, ice sculpture the ice head. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Ice Glimmer's yes. head falls off and they both cr- they both crack. Right? Like they. Yes. One metaphorically and one exactly. literally. Yes. And. Yes. And Casta puts her hand on Glimmer's shoulder and says, Glimmer, we will fix all mm-hmm. of this. Mm. But of course, we know that this crap is not what Glimmer is actually upset about. So Glimmer just brushes her aside, ignores all of them, takes the sacred lantern from Swifty with shoulders slumped. She walks away saying, let's just get this over with. Yep. Not how you want to start a quest. Not really. Ideally. No, not really. And then we go to the Fright Zone. Yes, back to our buddies in the Fright Zone. We have Scorpia going through... This is Entrapta's old lab, right? That's what I thought. It's not super clear because all the rooms in the Fright Zone kind of look the same. But I think we can infer that this is probably Entrapta's old room. Yeah, so, you know, we have Scorpia going through the the some, some stuff. stuff and Catra's like you heard Hordak he wants all this you know shit thrown out right yeah yeah and Scorp and Catra picks up one of Entrapta's old robot creatures it looks like a little robot oh, hamster yeah. oh. it's very cute oh. and you know Scorpia's like 
Scorpia misses Entrapta and is like trying to like kind of reach out to her friend and it was like yeah and she frames this in the best she way really possible. is hey this was a heat of the moment decision which i understand right like I totally yeah get it. total good faith on this too right like mm-hmm. i know this was the mm-hmm. heat of the moment but i know you didn't really want to trap to stay there i was thinking we could go get her I mean, she's our right. friend. And Katra yeah. has already built her own narrative that she's going to tell everybody whether or not she mm-hmm. believes it is that Entrapta mm-hmm. betrayed us, which, you know, we know she didn't, but. Right, right. And Katra knows it and Scorpia knows it, but that's yep. where she's going. Yep. That's her, that's her, that's her line. Yep. And she squashes the cute little robot hamster in her oh. hand. And Scorpia, unfortunately, even though she already did everything right mm-hmm. when she asked about going to get Entrapta, because she validated Catra's feelings and mindset mm-hmm. in the heat of the moment, when she made the decision, she doesn't blame her for anything that happened. And she sort of suggests that it can still be Catra's idea that they go get Entrapta now and validates that all three of them are still friends. Catra yeah. doesn't go for that. But so now Scorpia, unfortunately, says the one wrong thing. When she says, oh, but, you know, Entrapta didn't betray us. She just wanted to save us from the portal. Right, right. And she was right. If Adora hadn't shut it right. down, she said the one. You don't, she said the one wrong word. You don't word. say the she A word. The trigger yeah, word. you don't say the A word no, in front no. of Katra. And she no. freaks. And, yeah. like, this is really, like. Throws Scorpia yeah, against the This is the violent. Wall. Like, this yes. is scary. Yes. Like she like throws her against the wall and like pins her and has her claws like right next to Scorpia's head. And we see Scorpia like yeah. scared as we should. Cause yeah. this is like, yeah, before Catra was all like, traumatizing. yeah. And before Catra was all like, Oh, you're goofy, but whatever. Shut up. You dork. But now this is Catra being like straight up physically abusive, like just yeah. bad yeah. news. And yeah. then she she, she says, keeps going through the by you know the the, the byline yep. here. Entrapted betrayed Hordak, and as for the portal, it left the rebellion in shambles, and that means it worked. Got it? Good. Like, yep. Ooh, and boy. as she says that, she scrapes her claws down the wall next to Scorpia's head. Yeah, and you you see uh, something that I, I noticed in this is it's not just like you know the lines when she puts her hand in the wall. There's like cracks around her claws. Like she didn't only just kind of like go in and scratch. Like she punched the wall. No. Like yeah, yeah. She, she, she gouged, gouged that the shit. wall. Like yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like oh. And then as soon as Scorpion nods, like yes, boss, yes, mm-hmm, boss. Yeah. Catra's tone immediately shifts back to being cool and in control. Yep. She's like, "Good, now get this place cleared yep. out," and she's gone. Yep. And then, as soon as Catra's mm. gone, Scorpia sets down her little bowl of metal scraps down next to a shadowy corner, kind of like you put out a bowl of milk for a scared stray kitten. Uh-huh. And she says, "It's okay. You can come out Aww, now." And Emily's there. It's Emily. Aww. And Emily makes her cute little R two D two sounds. Boop, 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 boop. And Scorpia gets down on her knees, so they're at eye level mm-hmm. with each other, and she nuzzles Emily's face. Yeah, and is like, "It's very. I cute. won't let anything happen to you." Mm-hmm. 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 So this is very heartwarming. It is and heartbreaking. 
Yeah. Lots of hot. Yeah. Lots of hot. Both. Yeah. A lot of hot stuff here. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of hot. A lot of hot. So. Wicked good hot. Anything else in the fright zone um, before we bounce back? Yes. <laughs> I have one more thing. So I happen to be, this is not necessarily related to this scene, but I was paused at this moment. When my roommate walked in, this is my my cishet man roommate who is actually wonderful, and he has seen all of Shira. So I was paused at the scene. I was taking notes when he walked in, and he told me this as if it was going to be a shocking revelation. He was like, "Did you know there's Shira porn?" <laughs> He's like, "I stumbled across it totally by accident. I was not looking for it. Did you know there's porn of these characters?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, buddy." <laughs> He was like, there's porn of anything. I was like, oh, yeah, I know. And he was like, it's not just the two main characters. It's all of them. Even even the one with the purple hair. Oh I was like, yeah, man, yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A listener. He was very, very shocked. Listeners, I, I know you cannot see me. Um, I walked, I had to like physically remove myself from the microphone and put my hand in my head to laugh. Because I'm like, <laughs> and like rub my face and I'm like, oh Lord, kind of way. So yes, yeah, we yeah. are deeply aware of this. He was like super, super shocked. I'm like, dude. He was like, I was not looking for Dude, it. Are you, I, was, I like that he emphasized that. I was not looking for this, but there are salacious images of cartoon lesbians. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, dude, if you... He was like, I was just looking... I was just looking for regular looking for porn. Regular like porn. porn. It's like I was looking for regular, but his his regular porn was. I mean, he wasn't judge. He doesn't judge anything, which is one of the reasons I love him. It, it's all values neutral. But he was like, I was just looking for Batman porn. <laughs> I love. <laughs> so it wasn't weird. So he didn't think it was weird that like it was like fictional character, possibly animated porn. He was just, he was just surprised. surprised that there was Shira porn. He was just surprised that it existed. He wasn't yeah. like upset yeah. by it. He was oh, just yeah. like, "Wow, how unexpected! <laughs> how genuinely unexpected!" Like I, th- I mean, I expect it for Batman, but for Shira, <laughs> right? Because there's such a big audience, <laughs> you know. Yeah, sure, but I mean, like, yeah, dude. And I was like, "Yeah, yeah buddy. buddy, there's a little." <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so there yeah, we are. So I learned some. So with I that- learned something new today, Jenny. <laughs> I yes. did not learn anything new from that. No, no, no. But, oh, you know. I love that. Some straight people might have. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's great. Um, so with that, <laughs> we can go back to Bright Moon. Let's go back to Bright Moon. Oh, I don't even know how to transition from that. Well, I'll start Thank us off you. while you gather yourself. So, oh, and this is a great transition. Speaking of the sexy stuff. So now we are back in Bright Moon and we're standing at the base of the Bright Moon waterfall, which we have never been close to before. And from this perspective, (laughs) it's fucking huge. It's just this wall of luminescent water Uh that's obscuring the entrance to this cave. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we've got Castispella on one side holding the sacred scroll Mm -hmm. and Boadador on the other side. And they're in their prom clothes because they each only have one everyday outfit and one fancy outfit. Which I kind of love. Like, a lot of people do only have one fancy outfit. And also, Bo's fancy outfit has since been repaired. Oh. Hmm. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I kind of wouldn't mind having only two outfits still. Yeah, I mean, I like outfits, but... I'd be be okay with that. As long as they were both comfortable. Yeah, yeah. And Glimmer ascends the stairway in her queenly regalia, looking sad. Mm -hmm. She's not in the spirit of this thing, as all her beloved friends look Mm -hmm. on. 
and the robe that she's wearing now is like 10% of the original fabric. And she looks fantastic. But it does look yeah, good on she her. Looks yeah, great. she looks great. And Cast a Spell starts reading from the scroll um, as upbeat, official, and ceremonial as she can mm-hmm. be, while appropriate music plays in the background. Yep. We are gathered here today to witness the crowning of Queen Glimmer of Brightmoon as she completes the quest of queens and begins her reign as our new leader. She will be accompanied by two witnesses, Master Archer Bone and Adora, Shira, Princess of I Power. I love when they get to use their titles. Yeah. And it just reinforces the fact that Shira is a title. Yes. Yes, absolutely. You no. Know, Shira is not no, her name. It's a mantle, it's a title. Yeah. Yes. And at this point, <laughs> oh speaking Oh Jenny, I'm so glad is, that you wrote about this. <laughs> this is my gayest moment. Mermista steps forward to uh part the curtain of the waterfall. Yep. Uh and basically she just turns it into a giant water vagina. Yes. Yes. Like this cannot be an accident. No. Oh my fucking Especially god. Especially with the arch. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those are giant labia. Those are giant labia, and there's the arch and the little, the little yeah, button. It's the most it's... vaginal looking thing I've ever seen. Move aside, Georgia O'Keefe. Right, but I mean, also, it makes sense because, you know, she's the queen. She's going, she's like kind of reverse yes. birth, right? Like, yeah, sh- yeah. Sure. She's going in, yeah, she's going back in the womb, you yeah. Know, into the tunnel. Yeah, yeah so yeah. she can. Through the vagina into so the tunnel. So she can be reborn, yes. right? But, yes, oh, yes, yeah. yes. But I mean, even without any of that, just watching that curtain part, I was like, "Oh, that's a vagina." Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I de- Hello, water. I vagina. definitely, <laughs> I, I also have that. Yes. So that's my gayest moment for this episode. I think episode. that's a good gayest moment, especially because Bright Moon is already like very much like, you know, Moon Goddess. Like, yes, water. it's very yonic. It's very yonic. The whole kingdom is very yeah, yonic. Yes, so, yes, yes, yeah, yes. And so the last line of Castaspella's speech is. Let the light guide you and go forth in peace and safety to emerge as queen of bright. I like that. So the breast friend squad walks into the cave entrance. And quests. Yes, the vagina waterfall closes behind them. And suddenly they are quite alone after all of that hubbub. Yeah. And. And quest. And of course, Adora is trying to break the silence. <laughs> so quests. Yeah, we're, we're, we're good at quests. Yeah, she's again maniacally upbeat. Yeah, and Glimmer is just like Glimmer's done. Can we stop this? I don't want to think about flowers or colors or stupid decisions. And we're bad at quests. <laughs> yeah, she's just not in the mood, and she's not in the mood to pretend anymore. She's having, she's been having to keep it together and pretend to be fine all, all day. day for all of yeah. these people, and she's not in the mood to perform emotions no, anymore. I for just her two. Best I mean, friends. I don't blame her. Like, no, me either. Not at all. So she stomps off and Bo and Adora share a yikes glance mm-hmm. with each other yep. and they follow after yep. her. And then Bo is like, wow, I can't believe these tunnels have been underneath yeah. our feet. So all there's a little time. bit of a time lapse yeah. between that and then like, you know, we still like deeper into the right, caves. Right. Yeah. yeah. And the caves kind of yeah. look like the caves in um in uh the secret tunnel from Avatar. Yes. I, I got yes, that like yes. Yes, the caves underneath Omashu. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, I did not think of that, but you're right, because they, they have the, little, the, the, glowing, the crystals glowing crystals in the ceiling. Yeah. Oh, oh, man, now that you've sung, that's going to be in my head for a day oh, now. So there's a, um, I'll put a link to it. We'll put a link to it in the show notes, but there's this really yes, awesome lo-fi, like, chill beats version 
of the oh. secret tunnel song from yes, Avatar. Yes, please put that in and the show it's, notes. it's like really good. So we'll put yeah, that in the show. It's one of my favorite episodes. Mine too. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's a beautiful episode. And of course there's like the singing hippies and it's just, it's a blast. <laughs> yeah. I love that one. So. Yeah. yeah, it's a great. Secret tunnel, secret tunnel through the mountain. <laughs> Secret, 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 secret tunnels. Sorry. <laughs> you don't sing it once I know, through, it, then it eats, it your, eats brain. your brain. So I'll put a I'll put a link in the show notes for that one. Um, yes. Okay, so they're walking along. Bo, as you just said, makes a very innocent remark. Wow, I can't believe these tunnels have been right under our feet yeah, all this time. And I was like, how deep do you think they go? Right? They're just like trying to yeah, like, they're just hey. having a casual conversation yeah. trying to pass the time and glimmer just snaps and yells at them what's with you guys stop acting like yeah, this which like yes <laughs> they have no idea what she's talking about because they're not acting like anything right. they're just they're just doing you know like this they're just doing the thing and glimmer's yeah. like you mean like like whatever like none of this even matters none of this even matters and like and she throws the sacred mm -hmm. lantern down the tunnel and and this causes them to realize that they are almost at their destination right. because they can see the light from the from the lantern that has been thrown just a little bit further down they're like oh wait what's that but this is also where we finally hear glimmer's voice like we hear where like what her needs yeah. are because she's we barely yeah. hear glimmer throughout this it's everybody talking like to glimmer and That's at true. glimmer and now this is glimmer we're yeah. talking to people, not at people or yeah. around people. Yeah, that's right. So. That's right. Because none of this does matter to no, her. No, it doesn't. All of these little details are meaningless. They're meaningless. They're not going to affect the fact that she's queen now and her mom is gone. Right. Yeah. So, you know, they see the light. They see the light at the end of the tunnel. Hey. They rush on. And Bo, you know, says pretty obvious thing <laughs> i think this is the chamber of queens yep. yeah you think? good job bo yeah or it could just be another lavishly decorated room in the middle of a giant cavern <laughs> it's the it's the that's the it could have been the chamber of misdirects we don't know <laughs> oh snap <laughs> that's good also i just want to kind of throw this like in which i hadn't mentioned before but the the quest of the queen and the chamber of queens all sound like like um, competitions on RuPaul's Drag Race. So nice. That's just kind of it. Just sounds like something like that would be on RuPaul's Drag Race. Anyway, so yeah, I like thanks. it. So they look around their beautiful room, yeah. and Bo says that altar. I read about that in the scroll. I think it's for the lantern. Oh. And I think he's right because there is a nice little hole in that altar that looks like it is the exact right yeah. size to pop that little it lantern right in lantern there. It is a lantern-shaped hole. Mm -hmm. and but as they approach, <laughs> a giant creature falls from the a ceiling. A giant one-eyed snake. They're being attacked yes. by a one-eyed snake in the womb of the queen. Like, yes. guys, and come on. Neff, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how to say this delicately, but even I... One of the biggest lesbians in town, even I know that one-eyed snake is a euphemism for a yeah, penis. Yeah, no, and this is... And they are, as you said, in the womb They are in the of womb Bright of Moon. Bright Moon, and this one-eyed snake is... Is there to keep them it's out. Is there to, to prevent... I, this, yeah. guys, folks, yeah. writers... I know. Guys, we get it. We get it. Okay. Rebirth. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Although I will say that it does have some cute little like fins or flippers yeah. going yeah. on. 
So it's kind of cute, yeah, but, but it, it is what it is. And it has teeth. Probably should have mentioned love, that yeah, part. It has a lot, of, a lot teeth, of teeth. And unfortunately, it does seem like it wants to eat yeah. them. Yeah. So they run real quick back out into the tunnel. Yep. And now they are in their normal quest mode where they can no longer deal with any existential crises. They have to deal with what is right in exactly. front of them. Exactly. You know, that is something that Which happens. They are actually good that at this is part. good. They always have to process before they win the vi- the battle. They have to have their emotional yes. processing moment. And so they do. Um, yes. Adora says the scroll didn't mention a giant angry monster living in the in the tunnels under Bright Moon. Bo was like, well, it might have mentioned some side of Bright Moon Guardian that we have to subdue. And Bo was like, you know, it was defensive, but it was confusingly worded. It was confusingly worded. You know. Yes. And then, a, then so, we, yes. we learn here that Glimmer can't teleport. Yes. Glimmer finally breaks down and admits she can't teleport them. Because she has not been recharging her powers. And this part. And she's. Yeah. This part like destroyed me. Yeah. She starts crying and she says recharging would mean taking the Moonstone's full power for myself. It would mean admitting she's really gone. Mm -hmm. Everyone is already acting like she doesn't matter. It's like no one remembers her. No one cares. We're having a coronation because she's gone and everyone is acting like it's a fun party and it's not. Yeah. So now we finally get to hear what Glimmer's experience has been of everyone else trying to act upbeat and cheerful right. for her sake. Right. When she's like, I need to like, I need to mourn. Like, yeah. She hasn't had space to mourn. She hasn't had space or permission. Or permission. Yeah. Yeah. From everyone's acting like saying the word Angela or saying your mother is forbidden. Right. Right. Because that would make her sad somehow. Like she's not already sad. Right. Exactly. So in that moment of Glimmer finally breaking down and admitting how she feels and saying, you know, everyone's acting like a fun party and it's not. Adora starts crying and hugs her and says, of course it's not. And so this is the moment that Glimmer has needed. And this is what's helping her and healing Mm -hmm. her. They're both crying and they're hugging. They're grieving together. Mm -hmm. And Adora, so I find this part interesting, is they're grieving together. And Adora says, you know, I was supposed to take care of you. It was the last thing she asked me to do. I wanted to make today perfect. But... Angela actually said you need to take care of each other. That's right. So this is Adora doing the like, I need to make everything perfect. I need to fix everything. I need to take care of everything. When it was really about taking care of each other. That's right. So. And she also says, I just thought talking about it, about her, it hurts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because, you know, even though Adora certainly has been through plenty of trauma, we don't know if she's ever experienced loss like this because she never had parents to begin right. with. Right. Yeah. So this experience is new yes. to her. This type of grief is new to her. Um, and she just doesn't know what to do yeah. with it. Yeah. So she she does what she knows because, how to do. Right. Like sometimes, you know, your intuition can tell you the opposite. Mm-hmm. You know, she's like, oh, I thought it would make it worse to talk about her. But, you know, the truth is you have to take your lead from the person who you're trying to be there for. Right. 
And she never asked Glimmer, how can I be here for you? Mm -hmm. What do you want? She just assumed, you know, keeping things light is the way to go. I'm going to keep you from feeling pain somehow. And the truth is you cannot stop people from feeling pain. Right. Yeah. You can't control other people's emotions. Right. But all you can do is, you know, be a loving, nurturing presence so that people can feel safe to process their pain. Yeah. And and I like that Bo is like finally here being vulnerable Bo and saying we just we don't know what to do. Like and this is really good. This is so this is so healthy. Yeah, they're exactly. They're finally being real with each other. Yeah. Instead of all of them doing and saying what they think they are supposed to mm-hmm. do and say, they're just being real with each yeah. other, which is what friendship is all right. about. Right, and, you know, Glimmer doesn't know. Nobody knows, but they'll figure yeah, it out together. Glimmer says, yeah, Glimmer says, I don't know yeah. either, but maybe we can still figure it out together. Oh. And Adora says, whatever path you choose will always be there right beside you. Mm. And then this is very critical. The next part, Glimmer is still crying, but she's smiling Yeah. as she continues on. She says, even if that path leads to a giant crystal monster, and like the, what she says doesn't even matter. The point is, as she goes on, she's still crying, but she's smiling. Right. You have to be able to cry. Crying isn't always bad. It's like, oh, no, I want you to stop crying. Like, that's right, not right. how to make, you know, the goal can't always be, I'm going to make you feel better, therefore I have to make you stop right, crying. Right, right. You know, it's like, it's healthy. Yeah. It's like, if you have, if you have, you know, grief inside you, you have to let it out. Mm-hmm. Rep- if you repress things, they won't ever leave. Yeah. Yeah. I got nothing else to add so, to that. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, yeah. I'm, I'm emotionally damaged, so I don't <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, we all sure. are. We all are. And it's not, you know, I don't think grief ever is gone it's not like no. you're gonna wake up one day and be like oh i processed all my grief and now it's no gone. grief is never gone but you know scars and the same way that like scars heal and that doesn't mean that they're gone like you know if you have a a wound a physical wound right. and it heals you are still gonna have a scar but that doesn't mean that it's not healed in a meaningful way right, right. and you can grow around your grief mm-hmm. yeah and you know i still think about my mom practically every yeah. day And most of the time, I feel good when I think about her. Every once in a while, of course, you get sort of bowled over by a sharp pang of grief. And I think that's natural. Um, But I'm happier thinking about her than not thinking about her. That's awesome. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, my mom would be so psyched that we're making this podcast. Yes, I'm sure that, you know, on some plane of existence somewhere, she is cheering the loudest (laughs) Out of all of uh, the heavenly choruses, you're like, hey, that's my kid making that awesome gay podcast. Oh, see, now I'm actually crying. Yeah, that's okay. Jenny, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's it's cool to have parents who empower you in that way to know that, you know, just being happy is the most important thing and that that's all that they want. Yeah. It makes you feel really good. Yeah. And that's all that Angela really wanted for Glimmer. It is. And, you know, we 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 learned that. We Yeah. You know, we have our we have our battle. You know, we have our best friend squad going into battle. They're great at quests. Yeah, yeah. They are ready yeah. now. Now that they are really on the same page with each other, 
they are ready to go back into the path of a giant crystal monster. And so they they get in there. They they fight that yes. monster. Adora's punching yes. it. Yes, they are revivified. <laughs> Adora Shira's yeah. up. Shira punches it. She punches the dick in the dick. <laughs> Bo's got his sticky arrow. Bo's shooting goo at the dick. Yep. And then uh, the sword of protection is transformed into a net. The net of protection. The net of protection. And at this point, I am so sorry. <laughs> and I can't even blame this on my roommate because I had this thought way before. It was watching this episode, but not on this most recent watch. I was like, wow, she can really transform that sword into anything. Did there's probably a whole subset of fanfics where she just turns it into like every single type of sex toy. This is the part where in in the conversation, um, listeners, you cannot see this, but I just kind of stare at Jenny and blink. I'm sorry. I wish I could blame it on my roommate. No, no. But I had this thought <laughs> way earlier. No, this was the look. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't go into great detail. I have, no, no, no. This is not the blink of embarrassment. This is the blink of... Yes, I'm deeply familiar. Duh. Yeah. Like, yes, dear. Yes, Pat, yes, Pat. yes. I am yes, fa- we all know. We all I am know. familiar. Yes. The strap on of protection. <laughs> you know, I'll, the double ended dildo of protection. I'll send you some links. So, yeah. Huh. yeah, yeah. We, all we all know. know. We all know that we know that we know. Yes. Yes. Anyway, so the giant one eyed snake finally gets past both Shira and Bo, going for Glimmer. Just as she's getting up to the altar, but she does not run away. Instead, Glimmer queens up and stands her and ground. Says, "I am Queen she's... Glimmer of Bright Moon. I yeah. love it. And you will leave my friends alone." And then she plugs in. Yeah. And then she turns into an angel. Her wit. Lamb. Her wings grow. Yes. Her wings are formed. Yes. She looks like that. She yes. looks like like Avatar Glimmer. Yeah. yeah. She has her yeah, moment. Yeah, she's in her like avatar um, state. Brilliant light yep. fills the cavern. And then we have a momentary switch to Bright Moon Exterior. We see the moonstone is also supercharged. It's letting off way more light than usual. You know, it's like glowing in every direction. It's like refracting the light. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Avatar Moonstone. Yeah, Avatar Moonstone. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And then we go back inside the cavern. And the air is now full of these little purple puffs of magic. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like um, what we see on Planet Kratos in oh, season five. Yeah. The little magic pollen puffs that make Catra yeah. sneeze. Um, and now finally the beast is subdued and it recognizes Glimmer as its rightful leader. Mm-hmm. And a bunch of the little magical pollen puffs go into Glimmer. Mm-hmm. And then she lights up and lifts off the mm-hmm. ground. And, you know, she has, as you said, her her magical wing transformation, wing christening. Yep. She, you know, her queenly moment. Her queenly angelic moment. Yep. Yes. And, and she also gets her new crown. Yes. In that yes. moment. Which is very chic and yes, modest. Yes, it's cool. And it has that little teardrop jewel that matches her yeah. earring. Hmm. And Boadora and the Beastie are all there to bear witness. Mm-hmm. And the beastie is actually really cute now that it's not trying to attack I them. Know. Something about the shape of its mouth and the little tufty ears and the puppy dog head cock. Yeah. It, kind of like yeah. it. 
Um, and it's a and it's a brighter shade of purple now mm-hmm. than it was before. It's you know more chromatic. It was kind of a dull, mauvey kind of muddy purple before, and now it's like purple. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it kind of looked like all of like the the first onesie kind of monsters that they fought, right? Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I mean, it probably, it probably is. I mean, it yeah. could be. Yeah, yeah, it yeah, could be. Well, Interesting. Yeah. Was Bright Moon founded by the first ones? Well, we don't. Mm. Or if not founded, was this monster was this put monster there somewhere put along there. the way by the yeah. first ones? Interesting. Mm. Or or were those monsters always there and they were just co-opted by the first ones? All sorts of interesting things. No way to, no know. Way to know. Anyway, so Glimmer touches back down yep. to the yep. ground, having been queenified, and then we hear from off screen Angela's voice. And this is saying Glimmer. This is when I sob. I was literally Yeah, this is when we we, we I was sob. sobbing on my couch. Of course. I don't know how anyone could watch this and not shed a tear. Yeah. Um so Glimmer turns and sees that it's a hologram of her mom standing right above the spot where she stuck the sacred lantern. And Glimmer approaches it. She says, "Mom." And the Angela hologram says, "Glimmer, you're walking in the footsteps of all those who have come before us. Now, my darling, it's your turn. And Glimmer reaches out for her mom's hand, but it just passes yeah. through the hologram. It's like, so just final confirmation yeah. that this is definitely a hologram. And it's very much like when Adora reaches out to uh, Mara, too. Like, there's like a lot yeah. of like reaching out and passing through, you know, stuff. Yeah, trying to make a human connection. Yeah, yeah. Um, so um, speech continues, mm-hmm. you know, Glimmer was just trying to hold the hand um, and Glimmer's crying. And the Angela hologram says, I wish I didn't have to leave you, but I know you will be all right because you are Glimmer and you are so, so strong. And at that point, Adora takes one of Glimmer's mm-hmm. hands and Glimmer looks up and sees that her two best friends are standing Aww. at her side and they're smiling at her and they're supporting her. Aww. And Angela's last line is, I've done my best to prepare you to rule, but you are always ready to lead. I'm so proud of you, Glimmer. I love I'm you. I'm crying again. Yeah, we all are. Um. The Angela hologram swirls down into a little ball of light. It looks the same as all the other little magic pollen puffs, and it just floats up to join all the other little pollen puffs in the air. It's sort of like it's going up into the stars, and Glimmer watches it go and says, I love you too, Mom. And Glimmer has closure. Yeah. Like, Glimmer didn't have... I, I, you know, there's... You know, there's something to be said about, like grieving somebody when you never had closure like a sudden death oh yeah is like and when you didn't get to say goodbye yeah or the last time you saw each other or said good you know or said goodbye it was like it was hard it was like not like a happy a happy parting and that type of closure like yeah yeah closure is a huge huge deal yeah um, and I am incredibly grateful that I got to have that. Um, you know, my mom was in hospice. Yeah. I I got to say goodbye. And it was I'm so grateful that it was before the pandemic started. Yeah. You know, she died in the fall of 2019. 
Um, I got to be with her in the hospice. You know, I got to be focused on her. It wasn't the middle of a global health crisis. Yeah. And I got to be with yeah. her. Um, you know, when COVID hit and people were dying alone in the hospital and were not allowed to have visitors, I thought about it constantly. Yeah. yeah. How how utterly destroyed I would have been if I hadn't got to be with her when she was dying and when she died. I would have been destroyed. I would never be okay again. So I'm incredibly grateful for that. Um, I do think closure makes a big, big difference. Um, and in the time since then, I've seen a lot of people, if, you know, if they lose a parent or if someone loses a parent in the community and people say, oh, every death is sudden, you know, there's no real closure. And I'm like, I don't think that's true. I had closure and it made a huge difference for me. So I have experienced this kind of sudden, like actual sudden, the phone call death before. Yeah. With somebody very, I was very, very close to. <clears throat> and I wish I got closure. <clears throat> and Glimmer's really blessed here. This is yeah. wonderful. It is wonderful. So, and, you know, Glimmer had her friends with her and, and it, it's just, you know, her friends are there and. And she got to say goodbye in a meaningful way. And Bo figures out how to say your majesty. Because yep. Glimmer is a queen now. Yep. So, damn, Bo. Yep. You yep. got, you got yep. it. You figured out. You figured out how to, how to make it work in your mouth. So. Yep. How to he really tied up that moment yeah. perfectly. And, you know, Glimmer, Glimmer's like, as long as you two are with me, I, you know, as, you know, Bo says, are you okay? And Glimmer says, as long as you two yes. are with me, I am. And of course that's, you know. Of course, setting up the rest of the... <laughs> and then she can teleport them all right, out Right, yeah, but, you know, of course we know the, the season the season ahead is the, you know, fracturing of the Best Friend Squad season. Yeah, so, yeah. It's rough. It's rough. But we don't have to worry about that no, right now. No, right now we just have to worry. Uh, we don't have to worry. Right now we get to actually go to a party. Yes. And... Let's go to the Let's party. go to the coronation. Let's go to the, the coronation. Let's go to the speech. We're at the speech. And yeah, Glimmer shows yeah. up and everybody's worked out their differences and isn't messy anymore. Yeah. Um, yep. Um, she looks around. She takes in all of these beautiful decorations that now look perfect. Centering on a giant ice sculpture of Glimmer and Angela holding hands over the entryway to the courtyard. Good job, Frosta. Yeah, and she cries when she sees it. But again, like this is this is good, good crying, good yeah. tears. Yeah, um, and she says it looks amazing. Yeah, and of course, Frosta and Perfuma and Remista, who are kind of like the three stooges at this I point, know. they all appear in their fancy clothes, looking great. Not fighting. yeah, I, I with oh uh, with I love you know more and more all their little updos every time, except for you know except for Perfuma, who has the like beautiful like flowing loose hair like every time i see perfuma in her formal wear with her like hair down i i appreciate it more and more it's just so pretty yeah they all look yeah. great um frosta says we wanted it to be perfect for you 
And Perfuma says, so we worked together to finish. See, so that's the and other of course, thing. But- Mermista says that was my of idea. Course. But, <laughs> of course. But it was. once again, you know, we learned the lesson of if we work together, you know, we can win in yes, the end. Yes, exactly. And then Aunt Casta says, Glimmer, it's time. And now finally she is ready for this. She takes her place on the throne. Yes. Um, Bo and Adora walk up on either side of her. She smiles at them. We've got beautiful uh, anticipatory music as Glimmer approaches the throne. And we've got this great POV shot where we are Glimmer walking through this row of all of our friends smiling at us as we walk towards the throne. It's so cool. I love that. Yeah. And then Glimmer gives her first speech as queen. Yep. Um, and it's all about Angela. So again, try to imagine what this scene would be like if everyone was still playing the don't mention Angela right. game. That, that would have, it would have been really awkward. It would have been awful. But everybody kind of processed their shit. And Glimmer, yeah. you know, Glimmer holds it up. Glimmer is a queen and she knows what she has to do. She said, I'm yep. here because yep. of Angela. Mm-hmm. She says, I'm here today because Queen Angela... My mother sacrificed herself to save Etheria. We can't let her bravery be in vain. But there's so much we still need to do. Hordak is still in power, and we know there's an even larger Horde army out there somewhere. We can't let them win. It's time for us to take back our home. Yay! Together we will push out the Horde once and for all. Yay! Yay! Woo! And as everyone is cheering, Glimmer is looking up at the ice sculpture of her mom. Yeah. Aww. And then we have Glimmer is a queen. Glimmer takes her yeah. her place. Yeah. So it's a perfect moment. Yeah. Um, Glimmer has gotten her wings and her throne. Yep. Yep. And so now. So. It's perfect time to flip back over to the Fright Zone. Yay. Fright Zone. Gayest moment. Time for a little parallel moment. Parallel moment. And this is my gayest moment. Yeah, this is pretty hard to top. We've got Hordak approaching his throne. Right. And he finds someone lounging in his throne. Obviously, it's, it's Catra. And she's purring. Yeah. She's purring while she's lounging in this throne. And she says, hey, Hordak. In the same voice that she usually reserves for Hey Adora. Yeah. And which I don't think she's ever said that for anyone else. No. But we need to say that she is lounging in this throne when he walks up. Yes. And, Fully lounging. And so that is my gayest moment. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 Oh. Here's why. So okay. Catra in the throne. Well, Catra in the throne in general is my gayest moment. Like it's just overall a gay moment. Yeah. But it's hot. This particular part is my gayest part of this gay moment because one catcher on a throne is always gay right yes and as you know as our buddy tk pointed out in our once upon a time in the waste episode gays can't sit right and she is like full on like not sitting in a chair properly that's true because i had the end of this scene as my gayest moment but we'll get there which they can both, they're both viable contenders. Also, she's wearing a new outfit. She you want to talk about her new outfit? You go I'm going to talk about Catra's new outfit because I love Catra's new outfit because it's wonderful. So, first off, we will start with her feet. 
because, you know, you start from the bottom up. So instead of wearing her little like ripped up legging pants, she has this like high thigh, like, like, um, like almost like, like thigh length tights with stirrups that kind of like go into this bodysuit, which kind of has a couple of like cutouts on the uh, upper outside of her thighs. She's still wearing, you know, horde red and black. Her arms, and she kind of has this bodysuit that goes up and it's belted. Um, it's sleeveless on one side. Uh, funny, it's sleeveless on the right side, which is where Glimmer's glove is. She is wearing two gloves. One, the one on her right side goes up to her elbow. And, you know, it's fingerless gloves. The one on her right side, that's the fun one. That's the one that mimics her corruption. So mm-hmm. it's a full length. It's almost like a, I think it's part of a, it's actually like a sleeve or a sleeve that goes into it. So it goes all the way up her left arm into her bodysuit, which has a boob window. Mm-hmm. Um, and on... Faith Lahane boob window. Yeah, this is is some, like, Faith Lahane shit. And also, uh, on the bicep of her right arm is a uh, red uh, diamond. Very nice. Catch's new outfit. Quality Quality outfit. I I love the season four Catcher outfit. It's great. It is very great. It's really gay, too. Yes. So here she is lounging in Hordak's throne. And she says, hey, Hordak. And Hordak is outraged. What do you think you're doing? Uh, What do you think you're doing? And then she jumps on him. She just yanks out some wires. Yeah, and yanks. And the lights go out. Yeah. So advantage cat, because night Uh vision. And then she yanks out his glowing first one's brooch of love and friendship that powers his exoskeleton. Mm Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. as we, as these red alarm uh-huh. lights are buzzing on and off dramatically, yeah. And he's like, <sighs> and he he starts throwing a tantrum. Yep. How dare you, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yep. So satisfying yep. to watch after the way he treated yeah, her. The whole fucking series so far, she gets yes. the upper hand. Yes, um, but as always, Catra is strategic. Mm-hmm. She's not trying to just defeat him outright. She's just trying to steer him onto a better course to get him to stop fucking around. And she's laughing and she says, hey, cheer up, boss. You said it yourself. Big bad horde prime got your signal. Don't you want to conquer Etheria before he gets here? He doesn't sound like the type to accept failure. And he's on the floor at her feet as she's yeah, saying Yeah, because he tried to get up to, oh, well, Andrew, and then like right. zap collapsed. His suit zapped yeah. him and he fell back down. Yeah. And so he says, what do you want? And then she sits back down in his throne and she says, we're done with your little vanity projects. It's time to crush the rebellion for good. And you're going to help me do that. And then she drops his first one crystal back on the ground in front of him. So he can, you know, scramble for it. She's like, I'm giving you back your power, you little bitch. And she says, I think you and I are going to do great things together. And as she's saying her final lines, her upper body is framed by the red bat-like wings of the Horde logo that are painted on Hordak's throne. Uh-huh. So now Katra is getting her wings and her throne. Oh, shit. I And she's... 
Oh, you didn't pick up on that? I, I didn't pick. I mean, I picked up on the parallel of Catra getting her throne, but I didn't pick up on the wings part. Oh. That's good. Yeah. And so as she sits back with the wings flanking her and she crosses her legs and she's like, I'm the queen of this castle now. That was my gayest oh, moment because she's just like, power, power. <laughs> I was like, yeah. So that was my gayest moment. I love that. But they're both yeah. good. So yeah, by the end of this episode, Glimmer and Catra both got their wings in their throne. Damn. Yes. And there we go. Everybody's all of our our, our queens are coordinated and set up for yeah. a wonderful parallel journey. And like we got in terms of visual representations, we got some very clear like angel wings and devil yeah, wings. Yeah, I mean, I'm a little disappointed in myself that I didn't pick that up, but I am very happy and proud that you did. So Thank you. I'm actually really surprised I that you didn't. didn't. I thought I, I assumed that that was one of your bullets, no. but I'm happy to be the visual that's, arts That's why person. we're a team, Jenny. That's why, that's we are why a we're team. a team. I could, you yeah. know, absolutely, I wouldn't, absolutely. I wouldn't be able to, you know, do this quest without you. Same friend. See, that's what it's all Hard about. Same. And, that's right. And Jenny, what did we learn today? We learned that friendship can be hard, uh-huh. but the most important part is to just be honest about your feels. And trust that your friends can meet you there as long as you are honest. Oh, that's a really good lesson. Thank you. Well, folks, if you liked what you heard and you want to join us on the Quest of Queens, you can like and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast fix. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at HeyAdoraCast, or email us at HeyAdoraCast at gmail.com. And in case you didn't know, we love, love, love when you write us reviews. So please write us reviews on any of the places that you can write us reviews. Say how handsome and smart we are and how, you know, yeah, that's all I got. So yes. say how wonderful especially we are. Especially how smart yeah. we are. Yes, especially how much you enjoy listening so other people can find us and listen to yeah, us Yeah, that too. makes other people find us and then that makes everybody yes. happy. So also, yes. Jenny, did you know that we had a Patreon? I yeah. heard. I heard we had a you Patreon. You heard tell of this Patreon? Yes, so. yes. I've heard tell of such a place where the people can talk about all their fan theories mm-hmm. and all of the fun things that they heard on the episode and want to dive deeper into with us, with each other. Mm-hmm. I heard that you get to do live watches and video hangouts. I heard that too. I heard that too. We are due to schedule one we of those. We are. Jenny, I heard Princess Jenny has a story hour. It's true. It's true. I read classic queer novels in Princess Jenny's story I hour. I love that. And it's those are only just a small amount of the wonderful perks that you, our patron, can receive. You can find a link to our Patreon, as well as a link to this week's Spotify playlist, The Coronation, in our show notes or at heyadora.gay. <laughs> All of links to all of the things will always be at heyadora.gay cuz .gay cuz we're .gay and yes. remember queer joy is radical and queer love saves the universe quest is queens bouncer <laughs> bouncer <laughs>